Welcome to The Application, the go-to, how-to podcast for higher education marketers. I'm your host, Allison Tercio, Assistant Vice President of Enrollment and Marketing at Siena College. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, this podcast is packed with practical tips and actionable advice to help you elevate your marketing game. In each snackable episode, we bring in experts to share their insights and experience on the topics that matter most to you. Got a question or idea you'd like us to cover? Email team at enrollify.org or reach out to me on Twitter or LinkedIn. The application is part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. And if you like this show, you'll definitely want to check out our other higher ed focused podcasts on admissions, tech, marketing, and more. They're packed with stories, ideas, and tools to help you be the best in your field. All right, it's time for the show. I am so excited because on this episode, we're going to talk about student influencers. And I know this has been a hot topic at conferences the last couple of years. And we've got John Reed, the president of Glacier, a full-service youth marketing agency, as our guest. With extensive experience in both Canada and the U.S., John has been instrumental in helping colleges and universities not only meet but exceed their enrollment goals. John's expertise lies in crafting successful campaigns that drive additional website traffic and lead gen. He's a passionate speaker, and when he's not strategizing for higher ed, you might find him discussing his favorite topics, Gen Z advertising, mine too, John, we, we're, we're simpatico on that, and the allure of Dairy Queen blizzards. <laughs> Big Dairy Queen. Big Dairy Queen guy. We're so fortunate to have you here to share your insights, John, on a topic that is really pivotal in today's marketing landscape. I know we're all talking about how we can better leverage student social media influencers. So welcome, John. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. It's fantastic to have you on the show. So let's just start out by saying, so this is a thing, right? In higher ed, it's not just for all the other industries, the influencer thing, like it's for us too, right? Right. And I think it's always awesome. Anything with higher ed um, and, you know, bless all of us that work in it. But sometimes we're a little slower on the uptake. And so, you know, as long as authentic influencers have been around in other industries, I do think it's been a little slower uptake in higher ed. But absolutely, it is very much a thing. All right. So let's start with how can we as higher ed marketers find the most influential students on social media? whether it be at our institution or otherwise, how do we find these people? Yeah, and there's certainly a lot to unpack there because really it, it, it's a big thing is to determine the objective of what you're trying to get from these students. So is it uh, the students are going to be posting on their own accounts? Are they going to be posting on the university's account? Is the content they produce going to be used for earned media, for paid media? Thinking about the objective of the, of the whole marketing plan before even looking for the students that are the most influential is important. And so for a lot of students or a lot of colleges, I know they're looking to attract Instagram to their or interest to their Instagram or their TikTok page. And with that, there has to be thought on, on what those pages are going to be used for. Starting any kind of earned media platform, I always say it's a marathon, not a sprint. If you're going to maintain a TikTok page, you're going to maintain an Instagram page. That's a mammoth undertaking. And you can't just jump into that. So knowing what you want to accomplish that with that is, is really huge. And I know for a lot of small and mid-sized colleges, 
the TikTok page or the Instagram page isn't a communications tool. It's just a spot that prospective students will land when they're checking out that college, where social media is the number two way that the prospective students you know, do their research on a, on a university next to the, the website. And so before embark, embarking on this massive journey of creating all this earned media and trying to keep it sustainably done and et cetera, I, I think considering what the prospective student is going to be using it for is worth thinking about. So maybe you only need, you know, 30 or so semi-recent posts so that the prospective students just have to see that there's a presence there. Or if it is going to be something like a communication tool, then yeah, you do want the most influential students. And if that's the case, then certainly, you know, looking for influence or following counts and that kind of stuff is easily done and just tracking it in their bios uh, according to the institution that they're attending and, and where you want to place them. That's really as, as, as substantial as finding the influence, influence, influence of students is. But I really think it's finding the objective of the whole marketing plan before even getting to that step. I think your two ideas actually have crossover because when I think about how this generation searches, and we know they search on TikTok more than Google now, right? We know that there's so many articles every day about that happening. And so when they search for your college on TikTok, it's not just your official college account that comes up or your sports team's accounts that comes up. It's what the students are saying or what students have hashtag Sienna College as an example for my college in. So you have to have an awareness of what those students or maybe prospective students are posting about you in addition to what you're posting. So you do have to have some kind of relationships with the students who are making it to that search results page, right? So that you can curate that message a little bit because otherwise it could end up being something negative, for instance, right? Yeah, absolutely. And as it gets, student influencers become more and more like these students are going to be posting about your institution, whether you want them to or not. So absolutely getting some level of input there, some level of, of control is so important. And I found the best way to do that is really by bringing on multiple student creators at once. You, you do have to flesh out a program. You have to flesh out a way that, that it's going to be sustainable for you because this is one more pile on the huge block of, of uh, tasks that you already have. But being able to get user-generated content in a way where the student, you, you know, the student influencers are, are generating that and doing it in a way where it's very collaborative with them is the best way to get a good relationship going. So if you can get all of them together and you're just facilitating them working together less than the actual output, that's the way that camaraderie comes in and friendly competition around producing content and getting them together early on with fun meet and greets and that kind of thing, and then providing and facilitating the events for them to be at. So the tickets to the athletic events and the concerts and that kind of thing that are happening on campus and encouraging them to attend together where they have these creative minds and they're going to be able to create content together. Then it becomes so authentic because it's less like they're doing something for the school, more like they're doing something with this newfound group of like-minded people. I love that because that's the next question I was going to ask about was, you know, we run the risk of what they put out being less authentic than what they would have done on their own had we not been interfering or giving them a recipe for what we wanted. So how do we make sure you, you're naming one way to keep the students working together? How do we make sure that it's authentic content and our relationship with those student influences, influencers are authentic? 
Yeah, and and so much of that is is transparency and trust. So if you can trust the influencer, like you know, these are the experts in what they're doing. It's not you. They know what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. And so I I know that that trust probably starts at first getting administration to believe in you as a marketing enrollment leader uh, that you think that this program is going to generate some worthwhile content and 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 is worth pursuing. And that can be hard for you know, someone that's quite removed in admin to give a yes to something like this. But by giving up a little bit of control and ensuring that you can put trust in these creators, they then respond so much more positively than if you are too restrictive. So the authenticity really comes from listening to them and then compensating appropriately and then ensuring that they have a lot of creative control, listening to what they're talking about and really implementing what they're suggesting. Because yeah, as you said off the top, they are the experts and you have to just respect them for that, even if it feels uncomfortable giving up a bit of control. And I think recognizing we have some things that we can give to them too. How can we pour ourselves into those students, for instance, in terms of their career development? or their personal brand development, there's things that we can help them with too. And so, yes, we need to compensate them, but I think there's some career skills and that sort of thing that we can also help them with in exchange for this so that they feel really good about the relationship with the marketing department and, and the influencers. It's, it doesn't feel fake. It feels like there's a real relationship, a real exchange there. Yeah, absolutely. And and I know a lot of schools will, in terms of compensation, it is credits towards uh, their degree. And I think that's just something where if they're interested in marketing, you know, here's something to get started on and, and, and ensure that you present it like that so that you're setting the expectations on here's something that we will, you know, gladly stand by you or refer you to provide reference for later in your career when you're ready to enter into the workforce. And students are hungry for that kind of thing in university. And here's an opportunity ready-made. It's something that they're probably already doing and probably are already really good at. And I think by being clear with expectations, then that develops a relationship where they know exactly what's expected to them. And they understand what they're going to get at the end, which could be a referral, could be credits, could be just access to a bunch of fun events or meeting different people. But being clear with those expectations up front will really you know, create that that back and forth that creates a good relationship and allows them to produce authentic content and you to get the benefits from that. If you're not already, my tip is to get in with the communications major, the marketing major, perhaps the there might be some kind of creative major that makes sense at your school. We have 17 marketing interns this fall as part of our team. And it's great. There's a lot of work, right? Everyone's probably wondering, what am I going to do with 17 interns? I only have a team of five, by the way. We have 17 interns. But it's this group mentality that you're talking about, treating them like a team. And I'm really excited. So I'll keep you all posted on how that goes. John, can you talk about any specific examples or successful campaigns where you've seen universities or colleges use student influencers really well? Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you can look at some really large institutions. And of course, like UCLA has an excellent program where they name one clear influencer each year. And and that one influencer does an amazing job of producing content throughout the year. But we're not all UCLA. And it's great to understand what our limitations are, and how we can do it well, even if we are a small school. And one of the best examples of a small school that's done that incredibly well is Colorado School of Mines. 
they have over 28,000 followers on their Instagram. And it's because they've really facilitated a lot of user-generated content from student influencers. Uh, so I think that's done really, really well in terms of here's a small school clearly punching above its weight online by allowing good, authentic uh, content early on. Like they, they were doing it years ago uh, before it really started to pick up in higher ed. Other examples is Community College of Baltimore County. They have a Fresh Faces campaign every year where they, you know, they've been doing it for multiple years. So now it's a very sustainable program where they can create student ambassadors focused on social media development. And one that we worked with really closely was Ontario College of Art and Design. And you can imagine as you spoke to, like you're looking for those communications majors, those marketing majors, and certainly at a school of art and design, there's lots of creative minds. And so it was tons of fun to work with them in terms of finding those types of students that are going to put forward really creative, really fun posts. And so those are a few examples of schools that have done a good job creating earned media opportunity. But there's also many, many examples that, that we work with or that I've seen of just institutions that have a good job, done a good job of finding any student to create user-generated content to then repurpose into paid media as well. And so when you start to see those ads where you're like, wow, this production quality seems low or fits really perfectly in with my TikTok scroll, but that, you know, that's a university that doesn't seem, that's not the usual university ad that I've seen. That might have been produced by a, a student that really gets it. And I think that's a great example of schools that you don't necessarily see the high following or TikTok page at all, but you recognize that they've found students to create some content for them that they've then repurposed across all the platforms. Well, it happened again. Prospect Paul is excited about attending your institution, but is getting constantly confused by all of the information and tasks he needs to complete to enroll creating friction, and even worse, melt. You knew this was going to happen again, which is why you've been flagging the need for a come-to-Jesus meeting with leadership from marketing, admissions, and IT to audit the digital experience for prospective students. Here's the problem. You're not going to convince Mark from marketing to let go of his marketing automation software. Adriana from admissions just got set up with her new CRM and Isabel from IT is still working through ticket requests from last Christmas. But what if you could come to the table with a solution that didn't require anyone to let go of their software, while at the same time ensuring a frictionless experience for prospects and current students alike? Well, guess what? Today is your lucky day. Meet Pathify, an innovative, higher ed engagement hub that puts students at the center of their college journey. Pathify sits at the center of your school's digital ecosystem, becoming the single user experience interface tying together all systems, content, and communications. Their engagement hub elevates the information that matters most and pushes symptoms like the SIS behind the scenes where they belong, making it simpler for students to discover and engage with the opportunities your institution provides at every step of their journey, from prospect to alumni. What's even better, Pathify has a mobile experience that provides 100% parity with the responsive web app, so your campus app is always in sync. Pathify is a platform that every stakeholder on campus, from marketing to admissions to student affairs to IT and more, can get equally excited about. Learn more about how Pathify is uniting strategic units across campus and bettering the entire student experience by visiting pathify.com. And be sure to tell them that Allison from the application sent you their way.
Yeah, we sometimes have students be in the video that's inviting students, for instance, to an open house, and those are always the best performing ads. So even if it's not the student using their own personal social media to advance the institution's brand, there's so much opportunity on our own channels to be putting students out there before before our message is even like let them speak and that's that's being an influencer in a way too i'd say yeah you're absolutely correct and i think that is kind of a problem is people start thinking about student influencers and they immediately jump to creating their own organic page and sometimes that's just not realistic it's just it's too much so but that doesn't mean you should dispel the use of student influencers completely understand where else you can use that content whether it is just on some paid media ads or it could just be a single event like you said just inviting other students to an open house and how can you use it beyond starting your own tiktok page when it looks like you're standing staring up at mount everest there's other little smaller hills that you can tackle first. Yeah, that's what we like to focus on on this podcast because some of these ideas are big, right? So what are those first steps that everyone can take to make these ideas actionable in our in our own context? Are there any tools or platforms that can help this process of collaborating with student influencers? I mean, we've certainly in our experience we found it to be a lot of manual work. And so I think that's why colleges and universities hired us to do it. <laughs> but certainly as, and one of the things that we had done for many years was just focus on high school age students, recognizing these as the prospective students that would be attending these colleges and universities upcoming. But as privacy laws have become more stringent, that's become too restrictive to really access these under 18s. At the same time, their habits online have changed so drastically over the last three years. An easy example is to just think everyone used to have their Instagram page. It was all public. Then it started moving to private. And then now young people will often only allow one, two, or three posts to remain visible. And then they immediately archive everything. And that's just their habits changing. So I think it's something where we don't do that anymore, but it still remains fairly manual. There's not one clear, quick way to quickly get to influencers and have one platform or dashboard where you can set them all up and do things. That being said, access to students, unions, clubs, like you're talking about the marketing, that's certainly a good, a good way to a good place to start. And then finding out some of those softwares where you can repurpose that content to be used again. And one great example that I I've recently started speaking about is a company uh, called Goodkind. Uh, and what they do is they take user generated content and they actually text it out to students, prospective students. So anyone that you have in your CRM, they will text out that message that one of your current students generated saying, hey, we've got an open house coming up in a couple of weeks here. I went to my first open house here, loved it. Now I'm a student, you should go too. And texting that out to all your prospective students. And that's something where you on your end are taking care of the student influencer side and you're finding a software that allows you to get that message out really targeted, really effectively. I love what you're saying because honestly, it comes down to good old fashioned relationship building. So you're not going to find this from what I'm hearing by sitting and trying to deep dive into social media profiles and, and sort of chase a trail of students that you're seeing online. You've really got to get out of the office. You got to go make relationships with students because then that's how you're going to find the students who are into this 
who are who are creators in their own right, who have these ideas, who who want to be featured in your social media, but you've got to go find them, like in the real world, not on social media. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. And, you know, a great example of a company that's done this really well is Red Bull. Red Bull has these ambassadors and their whole job is to be visible and give out, you know, cans of Red Bull. And that's, you know, they're effectively a street team. But their recruitment process for the next, you know, fun Red Bull person is to just take their current one. And when they graduate from university or they don't want the job anymore, they just hand it on down. And if you can get that first set of influencers, then they, of course, know all the other good creators at the school. And when they're, you know, finishing up their degree, they're handing off to the younger ones. And you as, uh, as an enro- enrollment director on the other side or, or marketing director have that benefit of just having that first lump that you got to find, those first few that you got to find. And then it just builds on itself as they trust each other and collaborate with each other. And then they find the next generation of student influencers for you. Well, I like that idea as well, because you want to have some students who are established and experienced, you know, seniors, for instance, but then you want to have some that are up and coming, right? Because they can learn from the more experienced ones. And then you can have this sort of funnel of students as, as they're graduating, there's always new students, younger students coming through. So you want, you don't want to go out and, and hire an influencer team. That's all seniors. You want to get a mix in there so that they can help teach the next round of influences, influencers as they're coming through. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, whether that's through clubs or, or through business groups or, or marketing groups, these students will be able to find the next generation of student influencer. And as you cycle through them all, it just gets better and better because they teach the best practices for the next group. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, the age old question, especially if you're trying to sell this idea to some other administrator at your college, how the heck are you going to measure the effectiveness of doing this, right? Some of it is out of your control, perhaps. So it's a, it's a different animal. How, how do we think about that? I mean, ultimately, student influencers are an engagement tactic. So engagement metrics, clicks, likes, that's how you can measure it. So often, you know, providing a tracking link for influencers to, you know, push those prospective students towards a specific event, like like an open house or something. That's one way to do it. But to actually determine an ROI from st- student influencers, it's like a lot of awareness marketing. It's it's tough to do. So in that in that sense, what we try to do is to get them to direct towards something specific. And if whether that's a something like a landing page or or an open house or something like that, that's really you know the most direct way to do it. But it's never going to be probably at that ROI level that that you might get asked for. But that being said, over years doing this successfully, uh, the brand builds. And like you said, when you're on TikTok and you search your institution's name, whether you want it or not, there's going to be content on there. And it's a lot better to have some content that you're able to provide guidelines for rather than just anyone posting about your school saying whatever they want. What role do you see student influencers playing in the future of higher ed marketing? Is this a fad or is this have staying power? I I think it has staying power in a few different ways. I don't necessarily know that, you know, young people are so interesting because their habits, their online habits change so rapidly. And often it's a revolt against just a few years ahead. And, you know, a couple of years ago, we were talking about how everyone's giving up privacy, everyone's allowing everyone to see everything and how bizarre is that. And now we've really seen a move away from that 
to select individuals online, giving up a lot of privacy and more pulling back from that. That being said, everybody keeps their friend group online very tightly. There's always a cohort. So publicly, you might, they might have given, they won't have given up as much privacy as they will with their own cohort online. And so I think that's where student influencers have a, a real role. And I think that extends beyond just brand recognition. Certainly, uh, having student influencers talking about your brand online is, is really important. But beyond that, I think recognizing student influencers as an avenue for a research tool is something that's really important, where we do a lot of our internal research through our student influencer network, where we have them distribute uh, questions to their to their followers. And I know that that's, we don't use it externally because there's some quality control issues, but we do know that internally we can get on top of trends much earlier because it's so instantaneous with how quickly uh, these student influencers are able to get information out. Beyond that, absolutely. So I do think that we will be able to use student influencers for many years, both in terms of a research tool or, or assisting with research. And then of course, there's an opportunity there to just create content that doesn't necessarily have to be organic content. It's something that can appear across all of your channels and all your media platforms. I agree. Whether the channels change, you know, we didn't know what four years ago TikTok was coming or <laughs> nobody predicted that, right? So that might change and what they're doing on social media might change. You know, the whole dance thing, maybe that won't be a thing six months, a year from now. But using students as an important voice for your institution, I don't think that's ever going to go away. And I think it's something that we really struggle with at colleges and universities. I think there's, and I think that's totally understandable because like we talked about, there's a lot of people that are nervous to give up any brand control. And so certainly uh, convincing administration that that's something that's necessary is important and taking baby steps to get there where it might be something that's just got a little more guideline, a little more control over it and sent out to a very targeted audience. So there isn't this, you know, potential for crisis, but showing that to admin, demonstrating these baby steps and building your way up to a true student ambassador program is really necessary. We've covered a lot of really great insights about how to find your student social media influencers and also how to leverage them, unleash them, right? <laughs> unleash versus control, which is always really hard. So now as a final thought, could you leave our listeners with just one actionable tip that they can implement right away to start making the most of student influencer collaborations? I think one actionable tip is to set yourself a goal, you know, especially this fall or in the spring when your campus is looking beautiful, is to collect, and whether it's through a class, a club, a union, whatever, but collect maybe 20 pieces of content from students. You know, you can be up in front of a class, a marketing class, asking for this. You can get a professor to help, whatever it is, but get 20 pieces of content. See what comes back, anything, and then see where that content could be used. It doesn't mean jumping all into a full new student influencer program. It doesn't even necessarily mean using that content, but see what comes back and build some trust in what these practices can be and where you could use them across all of your paid and earned media. There's your assignment. You got to go out and get 20 clips of content. I'm going to add to it. Go meet 20 students. Go meet 20 new students. Introduce yourself to them. Get to know them. 
find out if this is something they're into. If not, they might have a friend who is, but go, go out and meet the students, go and get the content, see what you get back. And, and then John, you, they can always call you guys for help, right? Of course. Happy to chat about it anytime. So thank you so much again. I've really enjoyed this conversation and I hope all of you did too. Stay tuned and subscribe for more episodes filled with valuable strategies and advice from experts like John. Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify podcast network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.